That probably scared a lot of people, but hi, everyone, especially when I went down to my real quiet voice after I went down to my like curling commentary voice after. But uh, hello, everyone. Hello, new metal fans. This is uh, the POD cast, your favorite podcast about new metal from two guys who just simply cannot give it up. This is episode number six. This month is going to be a big month as we are reviewing the self-titled debut album from the band Slipknot. The album is Slipknot, and I am here with my co-host, who is wrong, fucked, and overrated. And I think I'm going to be sick, and it's all his fault. It's Brian Quinby. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, man. Yeah, uh, nothing. I'm just chilling. Crazy day for me. Crazy yeah. fucking day. You know, I bought furniture for the first time in my entire life. That's nice. What'd you buy? A couch with an ottoman. Oh shit, ottoman. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those fucking ones with the like long side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh yeah, like a like section, the lay like down a... boy. The, like there's a section where you can lay down, and then there's a section where you can sit like a person. You know? Yeah, right. So like, uh, so you can lay down like an animal, or you can sit down like a person. That's how I lay down, though. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. <laughs> I am a guy that lays down like an animal everywhere I go. Is it like like so? It's got like a lever on like one side of the couch, and then the, like the feet pop up. Is that what you're talking about? No, it's uh, uh like a long chaise sort of thing. Okay, you know so what I mean? Yeah, I, that's similar to my couch. It's like a sectional. Yes, yes, but only three sections. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. Or what you're two saying. sections. Two yeah, sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. I like that. That's nice, man. Well, congratulations. You bought furniture. Never, n- never bought one before. Never bought a couch in my whole entire life. Where did you buy it from? Um, uh, Value City Furniture, which probably a bad place. It shows how <laughs> white trash I am that I would buy a couch there. They gave me a credit card, so yeah. oh, with you the know, couch they give they give you a card. <laughs> What I did was I applied for it and then they were like, we'll give you 1300 bucks on a credit card. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll buy furniture then. And then I went to the place and bought some furniture. (laughs) Well, I guess it worked. Trying to make the wife happy, man. Happy wife, happy life is what they say. That is what I'm trying. And it's it's almost uh, Valentine's Day and I don't know what to get her. So you got her a couch, it sounds like. Yeah, she's going to not. That ain't going to count. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's my Slipknot song. (laughs) I bought a couch. My wife didn't like it. No, she likes it. She picked it, but she picked it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, mm, (laughs) still got to go get me something from the store. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. She feels like she was too a part of the process for it to count as a gift. Yeah, 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 exactly. You, you know, she's really wild too because she doesn't tell you what she wants. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like she is like my wife is like very famous for saying, "Ah, oh, you don't got to get me anything." Ah, uh, but but she wants something. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, I, you know how you know how it is, man. <laughs> she just 
Yeah. You know, know, she wants something. I get it, dude. I want something too, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like I love gifts a lot. Who who doesn't? And um so I I would definitely take one. You know, I I, I love gifts. If if I get a crummy one, I'm just like, oh, that's an okay gift, and I put it away. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh boy, do I love a good gift. And then you know what else happened? So I've got the blues today. Okay. I got to tell you, I bought a couch and I'm an insanely cheap human being. So that's really bothering me in my heart. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just thinking like they're going to bring this couch to my house. I'm going to be paying on it for like a year, probably. Maybe. I mean, I might pay it early. I've never done that before. But like, also, I've never paid anything off before because I just (laughs) kind of stuck. Not paying at some point <laughs> yeah okay it's like it's like you guys said uh it's like what you know when we did the the shows together the street fight shows where you're talking about that you figured out that it takes land a landlord uh, roughly three months to evict you so you just don't if you're if you have a year lease you just don't pay rent for the last three months yeah yeah i mean i just i'm paying my car off right now uh getting close i'm getting there to the end of the thing and i'm like this is fucking unbelievable man i'm not gonna have to pay this payment anymore but the thing is my kid turns fucking 16 in october so i'm just gonna have to give her that car and get another payment my life's a mess john (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's a generous dad that you're just gonna give her the car I got to give her the car, dude. I don't want her to work. This has been a big thing around the, the house lately right. is I don't want her to get a job because I don't think teenagers should have jobs. So good. Dad, you're, bought- you're the opposite of my dad. My dad was like when I was like 11, he was like, okay, you're old enough now to find something. I'm also the opposite of my dad. That's right. like kind of what gave me the idea. <laughs> you're like, I hated it when my dad forced me to work as a teenager. Yeah, I mean, I took a a, a, a course uh, on juvenile delinquency <laughs> and like found out that it correlates heavily with having a job as a teenager. Interesting. And also like, you know, you're working at a restaurant probably with some 23 year old creep dude. And, and I just was like, I don't want my daughter to have to do that shit, you know? Yeah, I understand. You're just being uh, you're just being a protective dad. Yeah. I also wanted to be able to hang out. Having a job sucks, you know? I don't yeah. want anybody to have to have a job, really. That's but my goal is that nobody has a job. <laughs> I saw corn though. Yeah, you did. Friday. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's actually related to this podcast. I know, I know. I'm just complaining. But yeah, no, I went that's to see okay. corn. That's on good. Friday. Yeah. So you you took Brett, who is famously not a corn fan. No, he is a corn fan. Oh, is he? Brett likes corn. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he didn't yeah, really like corn. No, he does. He oh, does. Okay. He he enjoys uh new metal quite a bit. Oh, okay. Uh, most of it, you know, he's not like a slipknot guy. Right. And who, and who is, yeah, my brother, my older brother, like got really into slipknot yeah. for a period. Okay. You know, we'll get to it, but, but yeah, I, we went, uh, we showed up because they breaking Benjamin was opening. For right. Them. God, Ugh. boy, do I have no interest in that at all? Oh. And I don't mean to be mean. No, you can be mean. Breaking, yeah, Breaking Benjamin. God bless sucks, you, man. Breaking Benjamin. No, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. God blesses them. I say no. Okay, I say no I'm blessings saying... for Breaking Benjamin. If you're listening to this and you like Breaking Benjamin, sorry, but you there should, are you people should... listening to the show that like Breaking Benjamin. For I sure, know that there are. For sure, there like, would, ha- there like would have to metal, be. 
If you like new metal, it's not like a huge leap right. to those guys. It and is... to tell you the truth, I've never heard Branking Benjamin. <laughs> I just, I'm not even going to give him a chance. It is a really you know? dumb band name, so that already gets you started off. And then didn't they have... Uh, fuck... Dan, you might know this because you're younger. There was like, they had like one single that I feel like was in an NHL game and it was like just so shitty. And I feel like that's like my only exposure to Breaking Benjamin. Let me see if I can figure this out. Or Dan, so something that really bummed me out about this corn show a little bit was that. Oh, is it torn in two? No, that's not right. It's it's like, uh, oh, fuck. Oh, NHL 11, maybe. No, it's not that. I swear there was like a a Breaking Benjamin song in some sort of like EA EA sports game. I'll see. Oh, if I, I can, believe you. I'll That's see if the I can perfect find place it. for a Breaking Benjamin song. Yeah, of course, of course. So my daughter knew this kid in her school that was going to the concert. And I was like, oh, that's that's cool that there's a kid going to this corn concert. She said he didn't even know corn was playing. He was just there to see breaking benjamin which is shocking because i picture the only people that listen to breaking benjamin are guys that like break rocks with a jackhammer for a living <laughs> that's how they got their name they call the rock because they get benjamins for breaking the rocks that's the whole that's the whole thing right they're just like such a forklift driver sort of band which is cool if you're a forklift driver listen to it. i'm just not a forklift driver so i can't that's fair like, I, found, I found the song it's called follow it's on an nhl soundtrack here we go i'm gonna play it right now and we'll see if it sounds bad Oh, get on with it already, Breaking Benjamin. It's okay. I mean, whatever, you know? It's it's definitely in that, like, uh, we've talked about it on the show before. It's that kind of, like, uh, you know, it's that sort of, like, trapped uh, trust co- kind of like they're sort of like new metal but sing like eddie vetter yeah kind of you know where it's like a weird you know they're not like cool new metal they're like no no they're like this is we're you know we're we're doing new metal but we also kind of love grunge like we're trying like we kind of want grunge to come back three days grace you know that kind of hey you know that kind of shit yeah so we got there sorry i interrupted your whole your whole story but we had, we had, and, it was a good segue on breaking benjamin it was me and brett got there as soon as breaking benjamin were saying thank you columbus and walking off the stage. which is perfect i mean you can't time that any better because i found like i like i i have no time to see openers anymore like when i was a kid i would get there an hour before doors like i was i know, you know sta- standing in the cold oh too, totally and, stand and outside wait for the doors to open i'd watch all the openers i loved it and then now i'm like fuck i'm 34 i don't have time for that shit but i do find that like i don't like to show up like right when the band is coming on because then it just feels like like going right from the street to like the band playing for some reason feels weird. Like I like to get there kind of like as the opener or at least the direct support. If there's like multiple openers are like kind of finishing catch, maybe their last like one or two songs. Then you get that sort of 30 minutes of like anticipation of like, Oh, I can't wait for them to come out. And then, you know, so it sounds like you guys timed it perfectly. Oh God. Did we ever, we got in there. We bought a uh, falling away from me cocktail for Brett 
they had a special cocktail called the falling away from me <laughs> weird song to pick yeah for the that cocktail. is a very you know weird I mean? song especially like especially you know when you're just uh you're you're naming a cocktail after that and just compounding a man's issues if you know what i mean right i mean they could you know what would have been a good name for a cocktail mm. the nothing mm. <laughs> Yeah, like that's, that's you know like a cool name. That's a cool know? name. I feel like corn has album? like way more better cocktail names, right? Yeah, I just can't think of any right at this well, second. There would be like ones where you just like lean all the way into alcoholism, like blind or somebody, someone. <laughs> like who is this guy? I don't know. Hey, somebody, <laughs> someone, someone, get me a guy. You know. By the way, that song fucking rules. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great song. <laughs> so anyway, we get in there and and they come out. And uh, I want to just say this. You know, I've been seeing these guys since 1995 in concert. And they're just full on like rock and roll stars now. They're basically Led Zeppelin now, you know? Yeah, they're our Led Zeppelin. Like the confidence that he has is so much different than when they were doing clubs. Right. Like. He commands the room now. He takes up the whole fucking stage, you know? And I saw two years ago, I didn't recognize hardly any of the songs because they were doing stuff from like the serenity of suffering oh, and God. stuff like that. Yeah, right? sure, sure. All the this albums time- we love. All the albums corn fans love. <laughs> hey, There's babe. some in there. Okay, hey, can you guys play Y'all Want a Single, please? Uh, that's they what did I play that the, oh. two years ago when I saw them. God, that's awful. But this time they went with hits. They just were like, fuck it. We're going to just, just play all the hits. They only played like four new songs. Yeah, which is which perfect. Was like, That's great. Whatever, you know, and, and yeah, you they covered need... one yeah. by Metallica. Yeah, which I feel like they've been doing that for a long time because I feel like so cool. I feel like them covering one was on the uh, was on the live concert film. Um, it's called MTV it... Honors Metallica. Right, there no, was this thing no, in 2002. No, it was a corn. Well, maybe they did it on that too, but there was a corn live DVD. I have it. Um, Deuce. Was no, it, Deuce? it wasn't Deuce, it was after Deuce. Uh, it was just called Live, and it was recorded oh. at the Hammerstein Ballroom during the Untouchables tour. So, yeah, so they do that, and then they also did uh, Coming Undone, and then in the middle, they just busted into We Will Rock You, which oh, is cool kind of cool you know what i mean yeah uh good yeah, songs so, all around i highly recommend catching them if you can because it oh, is i want like, to man i want to man this, like this set time. list is so good from the corn live in 2002 uh so yeah they play the one cover they play make me bad and then they play one and then they play part of justin from follow the leader well, see, they did one in the middle of shoots and ladders. Okay, nice. This time. It just went before Nick Knack Paddywhack give a dog a bone. Dude, and that is wild too. You know, that song still gets the biggest reaction to this day. Shoots and that ladders. Part of that song is the biggest reaction that you see in the whole night. People just fucking go crazy for it. And to me, it's like that's like one of the crummiest things on that whole masterpiece of an album. Oh, is yeah. that one song totally. that is not good. It, su- it sucks. Do you, yeah. do you want to know something funny? Corn has released Corn has released a live DVD performance or they did. They released a live DVD in 2000, 
2002, 2006, 2008, and 2010. That's good. And a lot I of, wish more bands did that. But a lot of them have like the same songs on them. Like it's yeah, so yeah. weird that it's like it looks like from what I can see, like uh for example, like Blind is on all of them. Adidas oh, it has to be. Adidas is on all of them. Fage is on almost all of them. They played that. I think they should just stop playing that. Really. Probably, I don't think that's like a necessary song. Yeah, no. That's like them trying dude. to like maintain a bit of their edge, you know? They're like 50 now. That's pro- that's them being like, <laughs> yeah, we know we shouldn't yell this word probably a bunch of times, but like <laughs> but this is like all we have. We're like a badass band, you know? It's like all they have left. Yeah, I I didn't yell it, but for the listeners that are wondering <laughs> live etiquette wise, I just was like, I, I'm, you know, you know, I'll say this in 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 the nineties when I did it, I did yell it, but I like really felt that shit. You know what I mean? That's the difference between now and then is like, I, you know, I'm not having these feelings anymore right you know i'm like it was brett put it like this i'm in the mosh pit it's a it's an aerobic exercise for me now (laughs) yeah it's like your version of zumba (laughs) yeah i'm not getting my feelings out here (laughs) right i get my feelings out any damn time i want to get them out you know yeah you buy a couch (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I go buy a goddamn couch and have a panic attack about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely I got to see corn. I still have never seen them, which is just insane. And especially if they're doing a tour where they're mostly playing the hits, like hopefully it comes around here, but they're not coming anywhere near me, at least on this leg of the tour. So maybe hopefully. they'll come back around with somebody better than breaking Benjamin. Oh, too. It's be, so wild how they sweet. co-headlined how they like, they co-headline with breaking Benjamin. That's it's so like, what weird are you doing breaking Benjamin can't be that big. That's so well, but again, that little kid in my neighborhood that, you know, his friends with my daughter or whatever, he was there for breaking Benjamin, right? Yeah, it's so, maybe just like a younger, younger generation than us. But uh, speaking of what the kids are up to, let's talk about Slipknot. That is the that's uh, exactly what they're up to right that is, now. Yeah, the, kids. the kids are definitely up to a Slipknot. <laughs> uh, we are today reviewing Slipknot's debut album, which is also called Slipknot. I guess it's technically their second album. They released a an album uh, of demos called Mate Feed Kill Repeat. Very normal. I had that. Very normal thing to call an album. Uh, but this was their debut, their major label debut, if or if you could call Roadrunner a major label. Uh, it came out on June 29th, 1999, and then uh, they were sued uh, for two of the tracks that were released on the album. So it was reissued in December 1999 with a slightly altered track listing and mastering as a result of the lawsuit. It was produced by Ross Robinson. It was released on Roadrunner Records and it went double platinum, Brian. It went single platinum in 2000 and double platinum in 2005. It has also gone platinum in Canada and the UK and Wait and Bleed was nominated for a Best Metal Performance Grammy losing to the Deftones possible worst song Elite. Uh, yeah, that song sucks shit. It does. It's Sorry, crazy. I that apologize. That, no, don't. That's crazy <laughs> that that's like, I feel like that's the only song Deftones have ever won a Grammy for. And it's like possibly their worst song. And yeah. no, I think they've won a no, couple of they, them. They have not. That's, that's it. That's even Elite. the only time they were nominated. 
Honestly, their worst song. That is one of their worst songs, maybe. I, I'm trying to think of a Back to School, maybe, Mini Maggot. Yeah, Not a great song. I mean, but, that's but it's about still it. pretty good, though. Like, it just is so strange. You just like the rap. You're just a hip-hop guy, man. I'm a hip-hop guy. What can I say? <laughs> and I'm a teacher, so it's like the Back to School were, like, pretty cool, you know? Like uh, <laughs> You're like, I'm going to get paid soon. Yeah. I'm back to school, man. Yeah, you're back to school, uh, baby. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we've we listened to the Slipknot album. We're going to talk a lot about it. And um, it is, uh, yeah, it never charted. So normally we do talk about the chart history of the albums. It never charted, but it did sell, obviously, a ton of copies, went double platinum and uh, other awards it received. Uh, VH1 did a list of the greatest metal songs of all time, and Wait and Bleed was named the 36th greatest metal song of all time. It's a good uh, one. It is a great one. It's really the only. It's the only. Well, it's not the only one. But anyway, we'll get into it. Brian, what are your initial thoughts uh, You know, on, on this album before we start to get into the tracks? How, how do you feel about Slipknot? As, uh, well, let's actually talk. Tell me about your history with Slipknot first. Uh, I I remember I was reading Alternative Press because that was like the magazine that would talk about all the new metal guys, right? You know, yep. It was like the the best one that yeah. would talk about because some the of the because there was like Revolver, but that kind of felt almost like a tabloid, like it wasn't great, you know. Also, Buck Cherry, they would do like Buck Cherry, you yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't all new metal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like Alternative Press was like like yeah, that was the real deal. Yeah, they did ICP and like new metal was all they ever talked about in there. So uh, I remember reading it and they saying, you know, there's going to be this band coming out with nine dudes in it and they wear masks. And uh, I was like, I definitely have to hear this because it just sounded like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you hear there's nine people in a band. You at least want to hear what it is. And you don't know what the fuck they're all doing. You know? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes. Like, what are these fucking guys even doing? <laughs> not with nine people. What is it? An orchestra? <laughs> yeah. The Slipknot Orchestra. That yeah, was, that was their yeah, original was name. The Roadrunner, Roadrunner made them cut orchestra out of their name. Yeah. And Roadrunner, by the way, good label, you know, oh, yeah. was on Roadrunner for a period of time. Oh, yeah. Roadrunners had some huge, you know, huge acts, especially in the new metal realm of things. Um, well, and Roadrunner was like a name you could trust back then, you know? Right. Sure. <laughs> like if it wasn't like Roadrunner, there are only a few labels that people really know. And if you listen to metal, Roadrunner is one of them. And it was like if Roadrunner is coming out with an album, that is a a, a plus yeah no before you buy it oh yeah absolutely no for sure and i think that that there's you know that was back in the days before the internet you know like i mean obviously the internet was around but like before you really used the internet i think people don't realize that that is that was one of the factors in buying an album i can remember like uh equal vision was a record label that it came after a little after roadrunner but that was kind of my like equivalent for like screamo 
and stuff like that. Like it was like, oh, if Equal Vision puts out a record, like I'm probably going to like it. I didn't like everything they put out, obviously, which would have been the same with Roadrunner. But like, you know, you definitely you you could latch on to a label, obviously not like a major, major label. No one was like, oh, boy, like when Epic puts out a record, I definitely love it Uh, (laughs) because they're like releasing like 10 albums every week. Yeah, yeah. But when but like these kind of boutique labels, you definitely could feel like, okay, this is going to be dope. I mean, their roster now is like some heavy hitters. You know, they got Code Orange, Coheed and Cambria, um, Gojira, uh, Corn, and uh, they got Slash's like side project, and they still have Slipknot and Stone Sour Theory of a Dead Man and Trivium too. So it's like, yeah, they have they have like a lot of big artists now. They're they gotta be like a oh, they're the Electra Music Group. I th- they're they're tied with them parent right. company is warner music group so that's right. how but anyway like i heard about them coming out and and like i i was still like way into metal this is like 1999 when this is coming out and uh i checked at the store over and over again until if they had a demo i was handed a demo i think on the way out of a concert if i'm not mistaken so you know that's the other weird thing that would happen when when you would go to concerts back then is like they would hand you a cassette tape as you walked out of like another band that's on the label like the street team would come to the show and hand them out and i like uh I, they handed me the slipknot thing and i had been waiting to hear them we put it in and it was three songs i think it was sick spit it out and uh i don't know what the third song was i can't like i fucking can't remember wait but bleed, i really probably? loved no, it was not Wait and Bleed. Okay. Wait and Bleed, I didn't hear until the album came out. Gotcha. I know that for a fact. Yeah. And, and you know, they hadn't come to Ohio yet either. So, like, I hadn't seen them in concert. Uh, I liked the demo, but then when the album came out, I don't I don't really know what happened. But I, I got to say, I was never, like, a big Slipknot guy, you know? I, I I saw them open. I only saw them open for Cole Chamber, who I was a big Cole Chamber guy. So <laughs> don't take my taste like as an offense. <laughs> you right. know, I just liked Cole Chamber more. So I saw him once open for Cole Chamber and I saw him once uh, at Ozfest. OK, and those were the, the two times I saw him. And I thought their stage show was really fucking cool. But like uh, I, I sort of like. I don't know. I was never a big fan of Slipknot. I would say I'm more of a fan now than I was back then. Yeah, that makes sense. I think for me, I, like I, I wish I could even remember. I know I heard Wait and Bleed first, and I don't even know how. Like I wonder if it was because at this time when this came out in '99, I would have been into like Corn and Limp Bizkit and stuff like that. But I don't know, like how I would have even heard wait and bleed. Like, I wonder if I, maybe I saw it on much music, even possibly it got radio play. Yeah. Like it could yeah. have been something like that. I just remember hearing that song and I thought, okay, this is really cool. Like I really liked the, the kind of interplay of the screaming and the singing. And I just thought that it was like something different and like a little heavier than what I was listening to. And I liked it a lot. And then I remember getting the album. I'm pretty sure I downloaded it. And then I remember being like really scared. Like (laughs) this, this was like a band that like, I, I think I've talked about it on the show before that. Like, you know, I was a pretty like weak kid. Like I was a pretty, you know, I was very skinny and small and pale 
and uh, scared easily. And I'm still to this day, I'm like quite squeamish. Like I don't like any like gory movies. I don't watch horror movies, whatever. You're so I think, like food, you know what I mean? You're right. I, there's a lot of food I don't <laughs> like. And um, so, yeah, it was like, I remember listening to the album and being like, oh my God, you know, because wait and bleed like, yes, it's heavy, but there is kind of like the singing. There's sort of a melodic part to it. It doesn't feel it doesn't quite feel like the rest of the record does. Even the other single spit it out is much heavier than wait and bleed. I feel so like listening back to this record. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see how I was like really scared of this because and obviously like I knew about the fact, oh, there's nine guys. They've got masks like holy fuck. This is crazy. That didn't help me not be scared either. I'm like, holy shit. This guy's got fucking nails coming out of his head and this other guy's hitting himself in the face with a baseball bat. And then, you know, they do all these interviews and <clears throat> at the time they'd be like, oh yeah, at our shows we like we're always puking and like hitting each other and like two of the, the percussionists like fight every show and all this stuff. And I was like, what is this? Like, I can't listen to this, you know, like I feel like corn and limp biscuit were on that line of, of like, they, they felt like dangerous, but like safe, dangerous. It wasn't like, you know, like I never, it was like, they were like paintball. They were like, Oh, like, <laughs> okay, I've got a gun, but like, I'm just hitting the other guy with paint. Slipknot felt like it was a real gun or maybe like not a real gun, but like a stun gun or something. It was like, Oh, I don't know if I should be playing with this. You know, like it almost be like, I'd be listening to the album in my room and I would never want my parents to hear it. And I was just so afraid of them, but like, I liked it. But I was also like, oh, I don't this is like a lot for me, you know, so I think that was my first kind of like inclination about them. It kind of tracks with you, too. I like I I was kind of wondering from very when we decide when we were starting to do this, like what your how you reacted to Slipknot, because it doesn't seem. I don't know. I, I think there is a certain side of uh, like, there's kind of two different types of this kind of music and there's the ultra heavy, more metal type. And then there is the, the more like, uh, I hate to say this word, but the more like funky or hip hop influenced side of this stuff. And like, I mean, I was probably more into the like hip hop influenced stuff, you know, the the Limp Bizkit, the corn, but I also liked the heavy shit. Like I I I liked Fear Factory. I liked uh um fucking Deftones, I think is kind of heavy compared to those other guys sometimes. And like this band to me when I first heard them was like this is the fucking heaviest band I've ever heard. And I think it was like what my brother liked about them too. It was just like it's the loudest of all of the bands. This is loud. But uh I didn't like the masks. And it's really weird because I was really into ICP at that time too. Like I was only, I was listening to so much ICP at that time, but for some reason, the masks on Slipknot irritated me. Like you thought they were too gimmicky or something. It's weird. Cause it's something about like, I had this really fucking odd way of looking at music that I think about now where it was like, I, I think I cared if they knew how to play the instruments. Now, I didn't know how to play an instrument at all, and I didn't know how to tell if somebody was talented at playing an instrument, but I wanted to think 
that it took talent for them to make those songs. If that makes sense. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think especially like, again, we talked about Ross Robinson when we talked about the first corn record, but like, I mean, this album sounds like it was recorded in a trash can. So this one really, I think this one sounds good. Oh, I hate the way this record sounds. It sounds, really? it sounds awful to me. The this good, one sounds so much cleaner than oh, that first porn. Oh, album for sure. Me. For sure. It's four years later. Ross Robinson's probably, you know, cause we read all those articles from around that time where Ross Robinson was saying like, you know, Oh, uh, I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, presumably four years down the road. Uh, he knew what he was doing at that point, but I still think like, I just, all I'm saying is like, I think if you were a guy who was looking for musicianship, the only thing that stands out on this record is the drumming. Um, you know, obviously like Joey Jordison is a fucking freak and is just like one of the best drummers ever. And so I think that, um, that stands out. But to me, the guitar work is so muddled on the record. Like I, I feel like you couldn't tell. I feel like if, if you were a guy who was searching for musicianship, you'd be like, well, I can't really tell if the guitars are even good or not. You know? See, I, I, I think like for some reason, maybe, maybe it was just, I don't know. It's this one sounds clean for a Ross Robinson album to me. Okay. As, as I was listening to it, I was like, okay, like, but, you do have a really good point about the shit that he did, you know, like what the even when it comes to like $3 bill y'all, that album sounds like shit too. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just I think it's the style that they play in yeah. is what I, makes it seem cleaner to me. It seems like the riffs are like tighter in a way on on this album than in 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 a lot of other things that could also be the drums though, because the drums are so busy that it's almost like forcing you to like follow along kind of because like yeah. the, the drumming kind of mimics like how hard the guitars are being played. But yeah, I mean, I do think the one thing I think that stood out to me with this album is that the <clears throat> pardon me, the they do some cool tricks on this album that I like a lot. Like there's some like really cool production things like I really like the kind of like breakbeat uh, sequence that's at the start of um, uh, surfacing like I think that part's like really cool like after wait or sorry uh, this the breakbeat part or a breakdown part is in eyeless at the beginning and then surfacing has that cool like that kind of like guitar riff at the beginning yeah yeah, that yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot and like there's some cool there's some really cool actually like uh dj scratches on the record like i feel like it sounds really clear and like it 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 sounds in a good like it adds to the music to me like it i've said this I'm, I'm, I've said this on this show multiple times. Probably could have got like a little bigger paycheck without the DJ. You know, your <laughs> DJ. You know what I mean? Well, Slipknot is the definition of a band that could have got a bigger paycheck because there's fucking nine <laughs> of them. I know, but I would be sitting there, if I was like playing, if I was playing like guitar or like one of the main, or or if I'm like Corey Taylor, I'm like. Mm -hmm need the dj anymore you know well <laughs> like, if i'm slipknot, trying to get some furniture if i'm slipknot i'm the guy the first guy i cut is the guy who just hits kegs with a baseball bat that's probably really? the, that's probably the first guy i get rid of that's an aesthetic thing though for me yeah like, the yeah sure guy offers nothing listen 
the turntable guy was a mistake in all the <laughs> bands in that era. Like I always felt like I'll bet you now this is just a guess. If you took this album, $3 bill, y'all, uh, maybe even uh, what's it called? Significant other. And you somehow were able to remove the DJ stuff. You wouldn't even care. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't, it would sound better. I'm, I'm willing to bet that. It's possible. I think that this record, though, kind of has some like cool sampling and like DJ stuff as compared to other records that maybe don't have that. They do it differently on here. They use more like they make it a more like a techno. Yeah. Thing yeah. Than it's, than it's more in, in, in like industrial kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like yes. it's almost like they're using the DJ as like an industrial guitar kind of like addition to the sound, which I think is cool. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, the fact that there was nine of them too really scared me and the masks definitely scared me. I think though, like what I want to say though is like, so I remember like I got into this record, even though I was kind of scared of it. And then when Iowa came out where they kind of like leaned into the sort of like poppiness a little bit, not poppiness, but like, you know, they, they went, okay, we made a pretty good record sort of we'll get into that but yeah I, I i can't wait to argue that one yeah no it's not okay it's not a great record but <laughs> wait and bleed is a great song so, oh they're, so, God, they're pro- yeah. so they're probably like okay we made this like okay record a lot of people liked it it went double platinum but what if we just did wait and bleed like 12 times and then that was when i was like you know what I need to buy a boiler suit. That was like, that's when I went over the edge for me. Like this album was like, okay, I like it, but it's like kind of scary. Should I even be listening to it? Then Iowa came out and I was like, nope, I love this. And they're selling boiler suits and they're only $120, which seems pretty reasonable considering it's a shirt and pants. Yeah. Where would you wear it? You know? No, I would like, okay, this is how pathetic I would have wore it to school. You wouldn't have. I would have. You would have got because I know how teenage brain oh, works yeah. now. Oh, I would have got made so much fun of, but I would have <laughs> wore. I would have wore it to school because the other thing too is like I grew up. I've said this before. I grew up in a town called White Rock, British Columbia, which white is right in the name. Is like yeah. you know a very like suburban kind of a not. There's like richer uh, areas of White Rock. It's right by the ocean. Uh, like I was probably the only person in my grade that listened to slipknot there maybe there like and i had a pretty big like i think my grad class was like almost 400 kids uh you know which which for canada is pretty big i know the states through grad classes get way bigger than that but for canada that's pretty big so i remember like thinking oh i totally thought like Oh, I'll just wear this to school. Like that'd be fucking cool. Cause that was the album where they did the white jumpsuits. Like a slipknot was red jumpsuits. And then they did white jumpsuits and they all had the numbers on them. So like whichever slipknot guy you liked the best, you could actually get their number like on this pardon me on the sleeve of the jumpsuit. And so like I was a drummer, I thought Joey Jordison was just like a fucking legend. So I would have got, he was number one. So I would have got the jumpsuit with the like little number one and uh yeah i i wanted it like i straight i just you know i was 14 or well no i was probably like 15 at that point um and i wasn't about to be able to afford 120 dollars to buy a jumpsuit or a boiler suit but i definitely considered it 
100 percent. you wanted to go to school and be like i'm the fucking freak here okay like don't look at me i'm a fucking freak i don't fit in your society guys okay yeah like not even like that's the weird part is like i did want to fit in like i just think i probably thought like i just never really cared what people thought so i think i just was probably like it was cool to me so i just sort of thought like well other people will probably think this is cool too because like it's cool to me there was well, one let's go 50 50 you did have a 50 50 chance of people really being like that's cool what you're doing i mm, think i it was nowhere near 50 50 it was like 10 90 so? oh yeah I, I think it was 50 50 <laughs> i i feel like sometimes see teenagers don't understand this at this point, I, they, I, I can't get my daughter to understand this. People are impressed when you do a th- when when you like go out on a limb. Now, sometimes going out like if you were in fuck, I don't know, if you went to high school in the in the 90s and you wore bell bottoms to school, people would have fucking made fun of you, of course. But I think if you showed up in a fucking jumpsuit, people would be like, <laughs> well, OK, that's interesting, you know? <laughs> Yeah, they might have been. It's like it's almost though like you'd have to have a certain amount of clout. You know what I mean? Like I feel right, like you yeah. wouldn't necessarily have to be the most popular kid in school, but I think like as long as you're kind of like really respected by kids or and kids like you, then I think they would go like, "Whoa, okay, John's doing something different. I want to understand what he's doing." Whereas yeah. I did not have that. Like it would have just been like, Oh, John, what a fucking nerd. And he's, if you seen, he's wearing like a white, he's wearing a white boiler suit to school. Like what is happening? See, if I had done that, people would be like, Brian, you're fucking wild, dude. Yeah. Like, but you were cool though. You were cool. And people liked you and you, and you also like, you had the cred to back it up, right? Like you did drugs and you smoked cigarettes and you got to like, true. I didn't do any of that stuff. I, I did. I actively did. I still don't. I actively you did, did not do drugs or smoke or drink or anything. So I would have just been the sober pale kid wearing a slipknot jumpsuit to school. It wouldn't what have been was your good. first concert, John. Uh, I'm like really curious. My first concert was Incubus. At what age? Uh, 17. My parents wouldn't let me go to concerts for a long time. So that was the thing. So I really liked Corn, obviously. And Corn uh, came, the issues to her in like 2000 or 2001 came to Vancouver. And I really wanted to go. And my parents just fought me tooth and nail and they just wouldn't let me go. And so I just like couldn't go to corn and I wanted to go really bad. And then it was like, yeah, maybe like a year later. And I had met, I befriended a guy who was a year older than me. I've talked about him on the show before. He was the one who kind of like got me into Deftones, Incubus, kind of some of the more like, you know, dredge like bands like that. Then that was kind of my gateway into getting more into like indie music. But um <clears throat> pardon me but uh so that was he like he really liked incubus so he was the one it was the morning view tour and and he he was like oh i'm going to incubus and so at that time i was going into grade 12 it was like the the september of my grade 12 year 12th grade year for our american listeners and uh yeah so that so he was like i got tickets to incubus and i said to my parents i'm like look like i'm about to graduate you know i love music i listen to music all the time like can i please go he was driving. So my parents were like, yeah, okay, you can go. And then that was, it was incubus and 30 seconds to Mars. 
Ah, so what, what? I mean, probably not a pit at an incubus show at that point. Uh, it right? wasn't like a pit, but it was definitely like one of those floors where people kind of just pushed each other. So the floor would kind of, you know, like almost like sway and like move back, like no circle pit, but definitely yeah. like people kind of like just sort of like gently pushing each other and sort of moving with the music, if that makes sense. So did it freak you out? I mean, that's what I mean. No, no. I'm, I'm trying to think of like. That didn't I, freak me out at all. Like I loved moshing, Brian. Like once. So like after Incubus, that just like broke the dam. And then I just went to concerts all the time and I loved them. And I was huge into moshing. Like big because I listened to like Screamo was like my big thing after this. So like, you know, Alexis on fire, Under Oath, The Used uh you know all bit all kind of bands like that circus survive uh deftones i obviously got a lot more into um yeah just like all a, a bunch of the warp tour bands um that so yeah like warp tour was like the best day of my year like i look forward to warp tour yeah you know i, I was Ozfest. basically right, yeah. the exact same thing i go nuts for Ozfest every year totally yeah so that was so moshing and stuff like i was never scared of that like i loved that stuff that was a big like that was a big part of me growing up but it was just yeah i just had to wait a little longer than maybe other people who were going to concerts earlier than me but but i will say slipknot scared me though like i could have gone to slipknot uh, and I chose not to, I th- I was like, I was like, I like moshing. I like going to shows, but I feel like Slipknot's like a little bit dangerous for me. Right. Well, that's what I was thinking. So like my first concert was in a club, it, like at a nightclub at the Newport music hall. It's like the longest running rock club, about a 2000 capacity place, general admission, mm-hmm. big giant fucking pit. You were allowed to smoke inside there. People were doing Ooh. drugs inside there. And I just, that was the first time of my life I ever felt at home. Right. <laughs> this is all dark and dingy. And we were seeing corn and uh fear factory. The, the fear factory came on stage and Burton bell first thing he says are you guys ready to worship satan and i was like yeah dude yes <laughs> yes i like this and and fucking i like felt very comfortable so it's like trying to trying to picture you in sort of the same situation <laughs> but you you did get like on ramped a little easier for yeah. you know we basically our personalities like the the situation fit that our first concerts fit our personalities perfectly. Definitely, definitely, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah, I wasn't like, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have been going to the shows that you were going to, like new metal shows and stuff like that. Like, I think you know, obviously, like screamo and all that stuff, like had pits and and, but it was just it was a different culture. I think. You oh know, yeah, the it, guys. It, it, Metal culture is so different, right? Yeah, you didn't have grown men that no. like are roofers in the audience. You know what I mean? Totally. totally. <laughs> so it was like you didn't. It wasn't like super violent at at those shows. And and you know, I sort of got in that direction too, where it was like I got into Coheed and Cambria. Like things lightened up for me over the years, but like with Slipknot, I saw them so early in our run i mean obviously if they're opening for cold chamber yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) where's cold chamber now (laughs) yeah yeah if if they're opening for cold chamber at the al rosa villa which was a small venue uh they i i so here's the thing cold chamber 
allowed you to stage dive at their concerts. I believe it was by special request at their concerts because I went to fucking a million concerts at this venue and they never let you stage dive. But I went to mil- I went to like five or six Cold Chamber concerts and every time they let you stage dive. Like they just person after person fucking stage diving. So I think that they were like cool with it. And when Slipknot opened for them, they were not cool with it. So that immediately like kind of now as an adult and a performer, I'm like, I, I get it. You know what I mean? You're, you're up there roughhousing and shit. You don't want guys coming up there and maybe something shitty happens and somebody gets hurt or something like that. But like, it made me think that, I mean, basically at the time I was like, what a bunch of pussies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, totally. Like that turned me off, but the music was really heavy, but I also like Slipknot actually did the opposite of scaring me. Like, I just thought it was goofy, you know, right. I, I felt like the guys banging on kegs and stuff. It was just not, uh, it didn't impress me at all. And, and like, I kind of stood there and it's like, this feels like, like a freak show, not even a freak show. It's that's even like too complimentary for it. Um, so I never gave them a chance after that. I just didn't even listen to the album. You know, I was like, I'm not. So basically this listen that we're doing currently is really my first true, 10 times listening to the album straight through right you know i I listened to it about 10 times last week well i would and like sorry go ahead and like this is it this this was my real like i'm gonna get familiar with this album and uh when we start uh, i obviously want to i have opinions on the track list and stuff (laughs) yeah a lot of them but like uh you know it's better than i think i thought at the time but also uh, not very good. <laughs> yeah. I, so I would just to finish up the last kind of thought is I, I wonder if that's just our age gap, right? Like, because I, I could totally see like if I was your age when this came out, cause you're, you were what? 20, 21 when this came out 99, I was uh yeah, 19 or 20. Yeah. So so I could totally see like if I was a 20 year old and I would have been like, you know, three years into university at the time, I, I might've liked this album, but I probably would have seen it for the kind of like that. It is kind of almost humorous. Like it's almost, there is a goofy element of like these grown men that are in masks that are banging on shit, like whatever there, there's almost that kind of like guar element to it a little bit where it's like, it's serious, but like, it's not that serious. Like it's, you can tell that they're not taking it like super seriously. Uh, but I think when you're a kid, when I, you know, I'm 14, I think you don't, you don't know, like you don't have enough of a brain development to understand like that. There's some kind of like irony at play and that they're kind of being a, it's a little tongue in cheek. You don't really get that. You just see nine guys in masks staring at you and they're playing the heaviest music you've ever heard in your life. And you find yourself liking it. And then you're like, Oh fuck. Like I, I I almost feel like it's almost kind of like horror movies in a sense too. Right? Like when you're 12 to 15 horror movies just seem so real to you and you're like, Oh my God, like this is so like good horror movies. Uh, seem, you know, you don't see necessarily the, like the camp element or the over the top element. You just go, holy shit. There's so much scary shit in this and I'm going to have nightmares now. Whereas if you're like 20 or 21, you'd be like, oh my God, like that's so obviously fake or, 
it's so over the top. It's almost comedy. You don't see that when you're younger. So I wonder if that's kind of where the, where the division is for us. Right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't even know if I saw the irony in it. I think I probably figured they were serious, but that I looked at them like this is dorky. Right. You know what? I mean? Right. Sure. 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 <laughs> like, the costumes and the masks. And I think I just had, I, I think like something about Slipknot really does sort of fly in the flip face of, of what new metal was. And, and it might've even been intentional by them in that, like new metal was like, regular kind of looking not regular looking guys but like it wasn't like a theatrical form of oh no totally not i mean if you want like i mean just watch like family values tour right like uh 98 you like obviously rammstein is going insane they've got pyro and the lead singer fucks the keyboardist with a fake dick and cum comes out of it and all that like the rammstein is insane and then like corn and limp biscuit and all those bands like they just kind of stand there like it's not you know there, there was definitely no like you said corn feels like rock stars to you now like i think you know, it, it, as far as like stage shows I've seen, not that I've seen corn live, but you look at it and you're like, okay, well, this wasn't like th- th- it's like corn playing an arena at that time almost seemed like a band, a club band playing arenas by accident. Whereas yes. like, whereas, you know, Slipknot definitely seemed like they were like, yeah, we got nine guys. We want to be in arenas on massive stages as soon as possible. Right. And I, I think that is, that is something that, chased me away from slipknot was it was just like you know you also have this teenage thing of like i just hope they don't get famous and it's like well if slipknot didn't get famous like really fucking fast it was like kind of an untenable situation oh totally you know yeah slipknot would have been a three would have been a trio very quickly yeah i find that well that's what i that's what i was gonna say earlier when you said they were scary i was like i just think they're scary because i look at like how many times i gotta cut the check yeah yeah oh totally i I think terrifying i was saying that to dan before we recorded like definitely listening to this album i think of like you know i grew up playing music i was in a band for five years of my life that had like a, you know, a relative amount of success on the local level. And I, I saw like my friends bands who were just traditional bands, like two guitars, a bass and drums. I saw bands break up because they couldn't figure out how to split the money, you know, like, because they've changed. I don't know how it is in America, but they've changed. They, they, at that time they changed the rules in Canada so that, um, bass and drums were no longer considered writing, the song they were considered arrange arranging or arrangements. So the only, the only things that were considered in quote unquote, writing the song was the lyrics, guitar, piano, like anything that could be seen as like lead. So if you were the bassist or the drummer, you know, there were, you know, most bands were pretty re- They'd be like, well, we're four buddies. We're all friends. We're playing at a local level. We're not, you know, we're, we might get a little bit of radio play out of this, whatever. Most bands are just like, yeah, we'll just split it evenly. Who cares? But I had friends bands that broke up because the lead singer and the guitarist were like, well, technically we wrote all these songs, so we'll give you guys 10% each and then we're oh, going to take the other, you know, or whatever. Right. And it was like, so I'm thinking of that where I think of Slipknot on like a massive scale and yeah, they, so basically clown, uh, Sean Crahan, Paul Gray, who is the guitarist, 
Joey Jordison, obviously the drummer, and Corey Taylor are the only ones who wrote any of the songs. It makes sense. So, I mean, you got four writers and then you got five guys who just don't, or sorry, Paul Gray was a bass player, pardon me. Um, so you've got, yeah, you've got two percussionists, a bass player, and the lead singer who are considered the writers. Like the two guitar players aren't even, uh, aren't even writers. So like, how are they getting paid? Like what's going and they weren't considered touring members. Like they were a nine member band. That was their whole thing. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure at the beginning they split it nine ways. They must I, have, I would, right? I, For I sure. Yes. Yeah. Cause who's going to want to be the keg guy if he's getting like a shitty wage and, and like, you know, I just know from touring, it's like, but, it's hard to make money touring. So like, you can't like like it, it, it can't be like well brett does the logistics so he gets more money than me or i do the writing so he gets more money than me it's like it has you have to almost do it evenly so everybody gets everything out of it yeah so you don't I, kill each other sense, you and know yeah for sure it doesn't make any sense so no i i'm i'm with you totally that part totally stuck out to me as well uh but let's talk about the record you said you had some thoughts about the track listing so what what is that what are those thoughts i think this album was an ep right like (laughs) what i feel like is that they had like five good songs They, they like had five good ideas and then they had uh, they had to fill the rest out as part of probably a contractual thing with the record company, right? Like they weren't going to let them release an EP. They wanted them to release a whole album. And uh, I, I I really think the first five songs of this thing are so fucking strong. They're like really good songs, but it like actually falls off a cliff after that, you know, where it's just like. The, all of the rest of the songs like are not very good like i can't i don't even john i don't know the fucking difference in the last five you could tell me <laughs> any name for any one of the last five songs and i'll be like oh yeah yeah okay i get it like there's nothing discernible about them no you know? I, I agree I, I think too like so the way i feel i'm with you i would include spit it out as a good song before it falls off a cliff um but for me it's like a triple it's like two sets of like three songs that are bad. So like, I actually think the three song run from liberate prosthetics and no life is like interesting. There's like a couple good ideas there, especially in no life. There's like that breakdown where Corey Taylor, like saying it's like, I can't remember. I don't understand. And then like that part of it, I think is pretty good. Like to me, that was them. I don't know that the song is really that good, but that breakdown was like what Iowa was like. They were just like, oh, that's like a cool like Iowa was like wait and bleed and like the vocal breakdown in that song and then being like, oh, yeah, cool. Like that's what our band is. Our band is like this kind of like melodic sound and then the and then these breakdowns like to me that's but yeah like after spit it out like tattered and torn uh the other the i guess frail limb nursery and purity aren't even on the one we're listening to now (laughs) because they got because they got deleted so that's the other thing too is like so you think about like adding songs like 
so yeah, like me inside got added to the album after frail limb nursery and purity were taken off of it after they got sued. So like, that's the other thing too, is like, yeah, they just kind of felt like, oh yeah, we got a bunch of other track. Like what? Oh, you, we got to take purity off the album. That's fine. We got another one here that kind of sounds like it. It's, who cares? And then the, yeah, then the album just finishes with a thud, like diluted only one and scissors and the hidden track Eeyore are just like fucking horrible. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think too this the the sound is just so muddy. Like the way that it's first the way it's recorded, and then a lot of the tracks sound so similar that yeah, you just you burn out on it. Like the album is sixty minutes long. Who needs an hour of this? Like to me, they're like, <laughs> you know, it should this should this album should have been like twenty seven minutes, and it should have been yes. like eight songs. Just can't like, do and, that in metal though, John. I like know that, you're not allowed to make short songs in metal which is to the detriment of the genre of music. <laughs> totally. And the, the thing that's weird is so like I could see people listening to us covering this album and saying Slipknot's not new metal. And I could agree. I could agree that Slipknot is not new metal, but this album is definitely new metal. It's as new metal as it gets. Yeah, like I mean, Corey, spit it out as a new metal song. Totally. And Corey raps a bunch. Uh, there's the DJ scratching a ton and just the way that the songs are structured. Like this is totally new metal for me. Um, and I, but I agree with you. Like, I mean, I think the ideas they have here, like I love like wait and bleed, obviously amazing song. One of the best new metal songs ever. And then surfacing right after it starts out with that really cool, like haunting guitar part at the beginning. And I feel like that's just such a cool transition of like the hard hitting of like wait and bleed. And it ends like really like, ah, and then there's just that kind of like it slows down with that sort of like guitar lick at the beginning. And then, ah, oh, it's just such a cool, such a cool transition. And I feel like they had a lot of good ideas, but this was not like the best execution of those ideas. I, well, and, and you know, I would say with sick eyeless wait and bleed surfacing and spit it out. Like they are all, they are sick. I think it's six different ideas. Yes. Uh, is, is the way I feel like it does. It shows what they can do. It's like a sampler platter, if you will. <laughs> Yes, it is the... but like it shows what they can do and it's they're interesting songs and uh, they're 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 good. It's just again, it feels like the end part of this was really like written in three days because the label needed to get the album in and they had a few extra like riffs and stuff laying around and they just kind of made songs out of it. It's. It, I, it's a bad first album, I think. Like it, it, it I, and now when I when I started listening to it, I was like, I'm not gonna fucking blame myself for not sticking with this because when you get to those those last five songs, it's like, who would? Who likes those songs? They're they're like. I guess if you were listening on cassette and you could just leave it on the first side, <laughs> it would be a wonderful album. You know. Yeah, well, and obviously, like, they knew it, right? Like, why else would the album be structured this way? Like, they knew that they knew. I I think they knew. I I think you see albums like this from this time period that are so front loaded. I mean, it's the same thing when we reviewed Significant Other. Like, it's Significant Other has a much stronger back half than this record. But, like, after track seven, Nobody Like You, it, I mean, it falls off a lot. Like, and true, I, I think, true. I think people knew that 
I think, I think bands at this time knew that this is still the singles era, Brian. Like, I mean, I think that that's part of it. It's still the, like, we got to have a couple good singles to drive this album. If the first half of the album's really strong, that's all people want to listen to anyway. Who cares? Half the people are listening to this on cassette CDs, like whatever people just pull it out of their car after they hit, after they listen to the songs they like, like, yeah, it this just, just really feels like that to me it maybe does it, it makes a little bit of sense because if you dispersed all the good songs throughout the album with the the sort of boring songs in between the good songs people would be like this album fucking sucks totally you know? i mean that's what i that's what i think i mean i think that that's definitely true right like I, I don't know that you would. Yeah. Like if, if the album had like, if wait and bleed was track 10, like even would you like, would you like it? Like you probably wouldn't, you know, you'd be like, know. Oh, that why is the best track so far like in is, the album? No, I mean like you'd like the song, wrong. but I just mean, no, I, I'm not saying this. It would make the song bad. I'm just saying okay. like, you'd be by the time you got to it, you'd be like, Oh, like how is this song so good? I've heard right. like six yeah. of the last eight I heard were not that great. How are we at this like really great song? You know, well, and it would have probably hurt songs like sick and spit it out and eyeless, which are like really great songs to be mixed in with the other bad songs. It's almost like the songs on that first part of the album all like complement each other and lift each other up. And then there's nothing there at the end to do that. Well, yeah, you know? like I said, I think that opening of surfacing, for example, does it sound as cool like after Wait and Bleed? Like, probably not, right? Like, yeah. you know, so I, I agree with you. Like, I for me, it was the same. I, I This is a weird one because I'm a huge new metal fan and I did definitely really like Slipknot back in the day. Uh, but, you know, um, it just... Uh, I haven't listened to this in forever. Like wait and bleed. Sure. I've heard that a few times since this album came out, but like I can't, I don't know the last time I listened to this album full through. I mean, you said you never listened to it full through because of seeing them live and stuff. But like, I used to love this album. I, I, I even back then I didn't listen to it full through. I would listen up to no life and then I would cut it off and I would, and I would always skip tattered and torn and me inside. I actually think my copy of it had purity on it. I didn't like that either, but, um, but yeah, like I would always stop it after no life for sure. But then, yeah, it just, this was one of those ones like corn and limp biscuit and Lincoln park and Deftones. I've never really stopped listening to. It's not like I listen to it all the time. You definitely listen to new metal more than I do. I don't listen to it all the time, but like just the, yeah, the, the, this album, it, it, it aged poorly even then. Like, I feel like even by like 2002, this album, like by the time Iowa came out, you're like, oh, this is this is what Slipknot is. It's not this past album. This is this is the Slipknot I like, you know, and I think the subliminal verses came after that. And that was a good album, too. So I think you kind of think like, oh, yeah, that's like that's dated now. I don't even need that. And it felt dated in like 2003. And now we're in 20. I, like, now we're I in feel like I liked Iowa. Oh, Iowa was so good. I liked Iowa too. Like listening to this record made me be like, fuck, I haven't listened to Iowa in a long time. I should listen <laughs> to Iowa. Like for sure. And Iowa was a great and and yeah, the subliminal verses was after um Iowa, and that was a really solid record too. Um, it's really it's really weird for me because like I was a fan of so many of these bands. 
you know, like I, I liked Spine Shank, I liked Cold Chamber, Fear Factory, uh, Corn, like all of the bands. But this was one of the ones. Power Man Five Thousands, another one where oh, it's just God. like this just doesn't fucking click with me. Yeah. But I think one of my favorite songs of the era is Eyeless. I'm almost positive that that song comes off so fucking cool when you listen to it, uh, when you listen to it now, but like, uh, I'm glad I, I guess I'm not glad. I wish I would have, I think had I listened to this in 1999, right? Like if I had listened to this album a lot in 1999, like you did, I might feel differently about those last songs. It was listening to it in 2020, over and over and uh, 10 times in a row or whatever however how uh, you know however many times i did it that was like i'm fucking bored man yeah like these last few songs it was just like could i uh, like i listened to it all the way through and it was a chore you know Uh, like i listened to it all the way through like 10 times and i was always checking to see how many tracks were left on the album when i was listening well because slipknot filler too it's not it's never easy to listen to, right? Like I think if you look at like other new metal bands, like you say the kind of the funkier end of new metal, even the songs you don't like as much, there's just a, there's groove to them, you know, whereas like Slipknot was not a groovy band or certainly on this record, they weren't, I think they got a little bit, I think they got a little bit more groovy on Iowa and the subliminal verses. But I think on this record, you know, every song is just kind of, you know and it's like after a while you're like okay like i can only hear that these kinds of riffs i can only hear machine gun riffs for so long before you just go okay like there's got to be more there has to be more to the to it than this i kind of also wonder if they forced themselves to do new metal in a way you know like like Corey forced himself to rap on this album or like uh uh they they forced the turntable in because that was like what was hot at the time because really what i think this band is this is a fucking metal this is pure metal this isn't a new metal band and i think that first album was like not a cash grab necessarily but it was like an attention grab you know it was like okay so like if we're gonna go out on tour the bands we're gonna have to open for are in this genre so we're going to have to rap sometimes because that's what the fans want to hear. I don't I, I I truly don't think that like I don't think Slipknot likes new metal, I don't, which is probably a pretty easy thing to say, considering like n- basically everybody that did new metal said they hated new metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And still do to this day. Yeah. Um, they're all like, no, nah, I thought it was bullshit. Stupid. It's just my job. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you but, like, I feel like these were guys that would like, they would have much preferred taking like a Metallica path. You know, they would have liked to have been Metallica or Slayer or something like that. I don't, I think that they, they decided because corn was big because Limp Biscuit was big at the time. They're like, in order to make it in music, you have to do this. So this is what we're going to fucking do. Well, and so, you know, we're all about theories on this podcast. So this is a perfect segue into my Slipknot theory. Are you ready for my Slipknot theory, Brian? 
I am totally ready okay, for it. So this is my Slipknot theory that I thought about while listening to this album over the last week. Okay. So to me, it's like, so obviously corn and limp biscuit are insanely popular and there hadn't like, there are other new metal bands that are popular, but like no one is popular in the way that like only these two bands are popular. Like they, Deftones, st- I think is in up there too. Uh, not, I mean, Deftones were never an arena band, you know? Yeah, they were. I saw them in arena. Really? I guess with, with, I, I mean, I did see them in an arena with uh, Incubus. It was a co-headline yeah, tour, yeah, okay. so I don't know. You know, you sure. never know who. Sure. You know. Okay, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of, you know, anyway, I, I like to me, Corn and Limb Biscuit are sort of forever married as like the two new metal bands that people talk about. And so I think that there was, there were bands who, and I agree with you, I think there are bands that were thinking like, how can we be new metal without really being new metal? And I think that like Slipknot saw a path that was heavier, right? Because like, it makes sense that if you have fan, like you probably have lots of fans of corn and limp biscuit who are like, ah, I just wish it was a little heavier. I just, they're, they're like the songs that corn and limp biscuit do that are heavier. Like those are my favorite songs. I wish corn did a whole album where it was only like speedy, heavier songs. Right. And then you had people who were like, I only like the really melodic parts of corn and limp biscuit. I wish they didn't do any speed metal songs. I wish they didn't do any metal influence songs. And that's who Lincoln park was for. And so like, to me, I think like the, the, to me, especially having just reviewed Lincoln park a couple episodes ago, that's like the logical path that I see. Cause we kind of talked about it with Lincoln park that, you know, they, I think they saw, okay, there are probably people who would like a band like this, but without screaming and without swearing and without, you know, and Slipknot was like, oh, there's probably people who would like this band with way more swearing and way more intensity and like, you know, way more metal shit. And so I agree with you in that. I think that's, that's the market that Slipknot went to. And then I think once they got established and new metal also fell off a cliff, like so quickly. Right. Oh yeah. So then they were like, okay, cool. Now they got to Iowa, which was still like had some new metal elements, but certainly wasn't new metal. And then they get to subliminal verses, which was like just pure metal. And they were getting to do what they wanted to do by that point. But like that to me is, is what this album came across as, because I think too, you hear, it in the lyrics, right? Like we've talked about Jonathan Davis, like Jonathan Davis's lyrics were very specific to him, but you could kind of like glean your own meaning from it. Like, you know, he'd talk about being abused or whatever. And you're like, well, I've never been abused, but I've been sad. I can kind of level with this. Corey Taylor's lyrics are very generic, right? It's a very much like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck you. There's not like, you know, it's not so much specificity. I think that was another thing they were going for where they were like, yeah, this is like a generation of angry kids I don't even know if I'm particularly angry, but it's pretty easy to write a lyric like, you know, fuck you all, fuck this world, fuck everything that you stand for. It's like, well, that could mean anything to anyone, right? Like don't belong, don't exist. Don't like, it was just taking what corn and limp biscuit wasn't really like that, but corn specifically their kind of darker stuff. I think Corey 
made it so that it was like, yeah, I don't even have to really say anything specific. I can just kind of yell out these sort of generic platitudes about how the world sucks. I mean, on Iowa, they have a track just called people equals shit, you know? Like, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that was their whole thing was they're like, ah, well, let's just make it so that it's ambiguous and it could literally be anyone screaming about anything. And it'll be this catharsis for people that they haven't had before. Right. But I also that is what got him right is like because it is generic. A lot of it is a lot of this album, at least, is very generic. I think he I think he ended up figuring it out after after a while. I'm not saying they were never good. I just feel like this album uh, anybody could have done this out. I mean, not those first. It's so it sucks to say, because like, really, if I'm giving this a letter grade. I'm going to give it a D it's a D album, right? Like yeah. th- I'm, I'm trying to relate to you as a teacher. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> we would call that a D that's a a, D yeah, about a, about a 55 to 60%. It's a D plus. No, in America it's 60 to 70 is a D. Oh, okay. we're like a 68, 69 here. Oh, wow. D okay. Is what I think. It's a six out of 10. Right. Uh, Two and a half stars. It's like one of those things that's like, this is the highs are too high. The highs are so high that I can't call this a shitty album. Uh, like, I think the, the, the f- first six songs are good. Now they're like timeless. They, they don't sound of the time, which by the way, most new metal doesn't sound of the time. I, Limp Biscuit is really the only one. That is like okay. That can only exist then. But- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I totally agree with you on that, but I'll we'll let it slide for the sake of not having a massive argument about that. What do you mean? Well, you don't think that corn sounds of nineteen ninety eight? I don't I think mean, anyone hears freak on. I don't think anyone hears boom and they're like, yeah, this sounds like something that could come out today. But they've updated the sound over the years. Sure, you sure, know? okay. I, like I see what you're saying. That. Like, like the the these bands have existed long enough that they've found a way to adapt that sound that they made then to now. Yeah, yeah. So like, corn the nothing sounds like a, a, a what new metal would probably be now. Right. You know, okay. I sure. just don't think Limp Biscuit can do the nothing. You know, well, I don't no. think they have the ability to do the nothing. Oh, yeah. No, Limp Bizkit couldn't be a band now. I mean, Limp Bizkit couldn't be a band in like 2006 or like when did res- <laughs> when did results may vary come out or Gold Cobra? <laughs> like no, no one was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. New Limp Bizkit in like 2006. Everyone was right. like, no, no, we we got it. We we have it all. We don't need any more. We got three good albums that were good. That's well, the that's end what of I- this. That's what I I think is interesting about Slipknot, though, is that like they came out with an album in 2019, too, just like Korn did. That was critically acclaimed. Like it was acclaimed by like the people who would say back then, like Pitchfork would say, I don't know if Pitchfork gave it a good grade, but it was acclaimed by people like that. You know what I mean? Where it's like uh, um, they seem to be like getting better as they go which is what i feel like about corn too i just think they're getting better they're like getting like they're actually getting good 
And uh, I also think we've grown into them. Like we've all grown up with them now. Right. So it's kind of it's kind of like, uh, oh, yeah, now I have to like these guys because they've just been around for a long time. They've kind of like boiled the, you know, they boiled the boil each decade down or part of a, a, a generation down in like the early 2000s boiled down was like there was corn there was limp biscuit and like uh something else i don't even (laughs) (laughs) well yeah jennifer lopez i think too it's it comes with that though right like if you're corn or you're slipknot and you're still making music now like you know that you do have that massive fan base that's grown with you so there's no, there's no pressure, right? Like where's the pressure coming for corn? Like they know that at any moment they can book a worldwide tour and make millions of dollars. So the writing of the music is just strictly for the enjoyment of it, right? They're just doing, they, there's no pressure anymore. So of course, so, of course they're releasing good records because they're doing exactly what they want to. So I wonder though, so we do know that corn could say we're going to play the first album. We're going to go on a tour where we're just going to play the whole first album and people would fucking eat those tickets up oh, like crazy. A million percent, yeah. Like I, would, I would drive fucking 6 hours to see that. And uh we know that Limp Biscuit could say, "Hey, we're going out on a road. We're going to play Significant Other in its entirety." And people would fucking buy those tickets. Oh, a million. I'd get on a plane. But do we think that if Slipknot went out and said they're going to play this first album that that it would be as big of a deal as, as even I'll even say like Deftone saying they're going to play around the fur, you know? Yeah. The only reason I would say no is because I think that Slipknot was just never as big of a band. Right. So like, I don't know that they're like if Slipknot wanted to do that in clubs. Sure. Right. Like if Slipknot was like, hey, we're going to play our self-titled album. We're going to do a club tour. I think they would have no problem getting people to go to that because there's still that nostalgia factor. And I'm sure there are people who are going to be mad at us for saying that this album kind of sucks. Like It doesn't suck. I, I Again, like the album, I would say on the whole is very good because it has six good songs, six right. very good songs on it. And then but the rest of it. Yeah. is not very I good. said kind of sucks, Brian. That's yeah. I didn't say sucks. I said kind of sucks, but I think there will be people who would be like, no, the back half of this album is great. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. So, I don't think so, because uh, before you fucking before you reply that to me, before you yell at me, listen to the fucking thing. <laughs> so I don't want you fucking going like I listened to it back in fucking 2003 and it kicked ass. It's like, no, you fucking sit down and listen to it now and then tell me it's good yeah i think people would go for the nostalgia factor of it but i i also think it's one of those you'd listen to them even play it live and you'd be like oh yeah i probably didn't need to hear this whole thing right yeah i don't think they would do it though like it's not an iconic album like to me slipknot doesn't really they're not an iconic album band really like i mean you know corn's released how many albums but i think they have you know two or three iconic albums, the self-titled follow the leader issues. Like I think any of those three records, PG. Yeah. Life is over there. Well, no, but I don't know that life is peachy is an album that people would be like clamoring to see played front to back. I do. I do. You think so? I think that there are a ton of kids that there are a ton of adults out there that life is PG was their first exposure to corn. 
and uh after seeing like the adidas video and they they kind of caught it before it fucking became like huge popular because life is peachy was you know a really well-selling album but it wasn't follow the leader you know yeah and i'm not saying they kind of caught it before then and it's their favorite album i I mean you can post you can post a fucking poll and you (laughs) will get a good amount of votes for life is peachy as their best album okay i mean i don't i'm not saying that there aren't people who wouldn't like that i'm just saying that i think if you polled corn fans like, okay, corn is going to play one of their first four albums back to back tonight. I think life is peachy comes last. No, I don't. I think the first one does. You think so? I think the first one does. I do because I think less people like the first one. Right. You know? I mean, I think follow because the leader wins in a landslide, but I also think issues was when a lot of people discovered corn too. Right. So like issues is almost kind of like the leading into the back half of their catalog in some ways. Like, I don't know. I've been listening to issues a lot lately and it is very good. It's a great record. This is like actually really good music (laughs) on there. I don't know. I like the last song a lot where he yells, I want to blow my head off. Yeah. I feel so bad inside. (laughs) I really feel the, I I really feel that (laughs) from him. (laughs) Yeah. We're still feeling the things that Jonathan Davis wanted us to feel. Uh, Okay. Before I I think, sorry, I like the song. I like the first six songs we're going to give it a grade anyway at the end. Yeah. But uh, I I don't want people to think, I think that like it sucks because I don't think it sucks. I just think that like, I don't know. This really feels like an in over your head sort of situation, you know, like where it's like, they probably got the contract. They probably didn't have the songs. They needed to get songs and they just front loaded the fucking thing. And just, you know, they had to get them done. And so they did because this is also a band that probably got signed on site. You, you know what I'm saying? Like this is probably a band that didn't get signed for their like musical skills. No. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, let's move into that. Speaking of that, let's talk about the album art a little bit. Cause uh, like, what, what do you think of the album art? I mean, like, I I think a picture of the band is a good album cover. I think it's a great, I I think it's a really good album cover. I think you, you know, everything you need to know about the band (laughs) from the album cover, which for a debut album is perfect. I also think the name Slipknot is such a good band name. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Like I, I remember you, you start thinking like, what, what does it even mean? Yes. But it's like nothing. It just is this fucking thing that sounds cool and scary, man. Totally. And that's the thing, right? It's like it's a perfect thing where it's a real word and it means a real thing, but like no one no one boats. Like no one gives a shit about sailing. Like no one's like, <laughs> oh God. Like no one hears oh, you got to check out this new band Slipknot and thinks they're going to be like a band about sailing, you know, like, so it's like it, it, it's a, it's, those are often the best band names where it's like, it is a thing and it does mean something, but like it can so easily be co-opted into meaning something completely different. And like you say, it sounds scary. And you just like, you look at this album cover, you see these fucking scary dudes in masks. It's dark. The font of Slipknot is perfect. It's just like, yeah, I love a debut album cover where you understand everything about the band just by looking at it. And like they kind of looks like they're in a cage. 
It's perfect. I, I think it's I, so good. I kind of wanted to be in a band called Crankshaft, which is a car part, but it sounds fucking scary. That sounds know? like a new metal band. For, that sounds like a band that would have been on the Madden 05 soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, they're probably, I, I mean, I guarantee there's a band called Crankshaft. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, just a, it, it's a covers band of like old dads that plays near a local bar. That would be cool, though. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I like the first six songs. I'm going to give them credit for that. And then what's next? <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about the album art. Uh, we usually uh, do some. We look at some articles, but we've gone pretty deep here. There, there's this one article I found here that talks about the masks specifically. And there's a few quotes here that are very uh, that are very funny to me. Uh, so the first one is uh, Corey Taylor. Uh, and he says, so this is, he's talking about his original mask in 1999. And he said that he felt the, the band's masks allowed their music to be purer. Oh, and he, the here. quote was music then was basically a template for a bunch of hot guys to sell a bunch of shit that didn't mean anything. We put a mask on and we're not about our fucking faces. It's always going to be music first, which like, oh. that doesn't make any sense to, to <laughs> me as a metal band. Like no one, like to me, you are making it about your faces because you put masks on. Now you're the band with masks. It fucking rules, though, right? It's like to, to you could call the masks of weakness on their part. But, you know, basically, I assume they were just all ugly guys. You know, <laughs> Corey Taylor's not a bad looking dude. Yeah, he's yeah. taking the mask off for Stone Sour shit. Yeah, he's not a bad looking guy. He has also has two books, which you know, Patreon feed. I I would like to read one of Corey Taylor's books. <laughs> Have you ever seen the book covers of them? No. Oh my good word! I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look him uh, I up gotta, right now. You gotta Google Corey Taylor books because okay. uh, I think. Uh, oh wow! I think. <laughs> oh my god! That's uh, yeah. ooh. okay. I think when you see the covers, you're like, yeah, we definitely got to read these books. Oh my one of them's god. called Seven Deadly Sins, and the other one's You're Making Me Hate You. Yeah, that's exactly. Oof. Also, he wrote one called A Funny Thing Happened. A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Heaven. Uh, so, or How I Made Peace with the Paranormal and Stigmatized Zealots and Cynics in the Process. Corey Taylor. Yeah, it's, so he's uh, written three books oof. and they're uncomfortable looking. So <laughs> the, the seven covers, deadly sins one is very uncomfortable. Yeah. He also, I can wrote see America why there's 51. an alternate cover for that one. He also wrote America 51, which is, and they sell his books at target. So yeah, no, he's uh it's just interesting. You know, the, the whole like evolution of Slipknot as that kind of stuff became less scary is so interesting. But yeah, to me, that was just so dumb. Like maybe he's referring to like boy bands and stuff, but like, I mean, corn and limp biscuit were not bands of hot no. guys. Like, I mean, come on. Like it was just, it doesn't make any sense. Like you can maybe make that argument about Lincoln park maybe, but like, again, I don't think Lincoln park was put together like, Oh, here we got a bunch of good looking dudes to do this. I do love though that another quote from Mick Thompson, their guitar player, I thought was pretty good. Uh, he wrote Roadrunner didn't like the masks. They also didn't want nine guys in the band, <laughs> but I can't tell yeah. you how many millions of dollars that the label has made from us. I take pride in knowing that they were wrong and I was right. Okay. Well, they weren't wrong. First no, of they all. weren't wrong. You could chop they four members out of your band tomorrow. 
Yeah, you didn't need nine guys, but you did make millions because you had nine guys because that was really what happened, right? Like they 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 made the money because there were nine guys. Nine guys made them famous, and, yes. and that's that is what because this first album got so much attention because it was nine guys, and yeah. then that gave them a chance to you know go back and make make the other one you know the 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 next albums but they don't get the amount of attention they got without the masks and the uh without the masks and nine guys you know that was that was why i was interested in them because immediately when i heard there were nine guys and they wore masks i was like okay what's this yeah oh for sure it's a great gimmick and that's why it's also funny when Corey's like oh it was just a bunch of hot guys trying to sell shit it's like you're you put masks on to sell shit so what the fuck are we talking about here uh it's like exactly the same as being a hot guy it's one and secondly why does he have dreadlocks on his mask that's annoying right yes it is are they still wearing masks on stage oh yeah they change their masks every album Oh, all right. <laughs> well, okay, like, guys. so some of them have had like the same theme. So like Mick Thompson always wears some kind of like, um, like goalie mask. Like it's kind of like a, kind of looks like a hockey goalie mask. And then Craig Jones always has a gimp mask with nails sticking out of it. I think his is the best. Uh, and then Chris Fane often has like a Pinocchio one with like the giant, like uh, Pinocchio nose. Jim root is often the jester. Sean Crahan is the clown, but like the clown changes a lot. Uh, like the way he does it. Like there's one where there's one mask where he's kind of just like wearing bandages, but like with a clown nose, but it's a mask. Anyway, Did he die. Who died? Uh, Jim root died. The jester oh, okay. or no, sorry. Well. Paul gray. The bass yeah, I player clown died. No clowns alive. Okay, uh, I think it was Paul gray, the bass player. Yes. He was 38 died in 2010. I would take the fucking masks off now. I would just be like kiss. I would do an MTV special, take the masks off and never wear them again. Like they could get away with not wearing the masks anymore, but I guess that's what people pay to fucking see. They love the masks, man. Yeah, he died yeah. of a uh, overdose of morphine, and he also had significant heart disease. That happens. That's probably how I'm going to die, too. <laughs> <laughs> heart disease uh, and drugs. <laughs> speaking of you, the, this okay. This is the last quote I'm going to read before we get to our, our grade. And uh, th- this just, it's only because it's funny. We were talking about happy wife, happy life. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to know you, Brian, pretty well over the last year. To me, this seems like something that you would do. Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong. So this is clown telling the story about the clown mask. Cause he was actually the one who started it. Uh, like started the whole mask thing. So it says Sean Crahan's iconic clown mask was the one that started the whole idea. I was in the mall with a girlfriend and I walked into a Halloween store. There was a clown mask there. And when I put it on, I became another thing. It was $49 and I had $50 in my pocket. I was supposed to be buying my girlfriend lunch and she got all pissed off because I spent all my money on this mask. Well, she's gone, but I still have the mask. (laughs) <laughs> my wife would be cool with it though because she's like cool with all of my dumb things <laughs> so that's good that's good uh but yeah just remind you always talk about how you spend money in the in bad ways so oh, god that's what i do man i would have done that I, if i saw something like that i would definitely purchase that i'm looking at slipknot masks and you know what kind of bothers me now they have hollywood special effects guys make them yeah Oh yeah, like the one quote from Clown 
that I read to Dan earlier is so stupid. He, this is from his mask for uh, for two, the all hope is gone in 2008. And it says uh, the his mask for all hope is gone was probably his most technical, a patchwork of black leather, thick red and white stitching and zips that were both sinister and brooding. I don't want any of it to look human. There are no human elements to it. He said the mask is actually made of steel so I can rip it off my head and use it as a weapon. It's not some plastic bullshit. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, that's cool then, I guess, you know, yeah, like it's kind of cool, I guess. I think they look great and they have like a really good time up there. It seems like (laughs) and they look good, but I don't know. You should make your own masks still, boys, if you're listening. Yeah, if you're listening, make your own. Don't get these Hollywood special effects guys to yeah. do it. Stay true to the stay true to the cause. Yeah. Also, uh, Corey Taylor uh, uh, lefty. So just want to throw that out there for people. Okay. Are you a lefty? Leftist, like oh, leftist, oh, like politics like guy. Yes, I am, John. <laughs> I thought you meant okay? left-handed. I was like, who cares if he's left-handed? Well, I <laughs> wouldn't like... even know that. <laughs> well, I know. That's why I, I was barely so can tell left from right, dude. <laughs> Okay, well, what you do is you make an L with both of your index fingers and your thumbs, and the one that makes an actual L, that's left. I actually have to do that, for real. <laughs> I do, 100%. Uh, okay, let's move on to our tweet defense. So this is our this is our rating of the album. Uh, it's kind of a modernist twist on on reviewing these albums. We do this every month, every time we review an album. So what it is is if someone tweeted at you that they did not like this album, how many times would you tweet back at them in in an argument to say that the album is good? Uh, Brian, what is your tweet defense? Okay, well I am going to say. Uh, again, you have to recontextualize my number every single show. Yes, because I don't remember the last one ever. <laughs> I'm gonna get a record of it though. I'm gonna like get a record of it and write them all down so that I then know where I'm at. Yeah, but uh, I'm gonna say that for this album, it's it's I I'm gonna give it this. I'll give it the six. Can I give it a six? and a half tweet like i would write one but then i would be like no i'm gonna delete all that and just call it a day yeah six and a half you know that's pretty good because i i I do think i do think there's a lot there but it's all like front loaded into six songs and uh i do think it's i do i like those songs a lot like i really enjoy those songs i just really don't like i think the biggest crime with music is being boring i think that like bad music i can enjoy it's the same thing with movies right it's like a bad movie i can enjoy in a certain way and then a good thing obviously you enjoy in a certain way but if you're boring that is like the worst possible thing you can do because I, and and that's how I feel about the last half of this album is that it's boring. Right. Right. Especially when it could have been so much more interesting. Possibly. I just think they should have fucking done like, I, I, I really think they should have probably just done an EP here. Yeah, no, I agree. Even that does, like I said, doesn't even have to be an EP. It could be like seven. It could be like eight or nine songs. You know, you could add a couple of the like ones that are better of the worse ones and call it a day. Like, yeah, for me, 60 I, minute album is stupid. It's stupid. To do. Like, you for should me, never do that. For me, I think if you've got the first six songs, then you've got prosthetic and no life and um, 
diluted. Is that the other one? Yeah. So though you got those three, that's good. I like or liberates good too. You can add any of those ones in there. That's good. That's a good. Album. I mean, I feel that way with comedy too. It's like if you got forty five minutes, just do forty five minutes, man. I oh yeah. I, I no don't want to see fifteen and nothing. I'm recording you know? a new. I'm recording a new album, and uh, I'm. It's only going to be thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. That's about what I'm doing now. Yeah. So uh, I guess we can talk about this for a minute at least. Sure. Uh, I'm doing a show. I'm doing two shows in i'm doing a show on february 28th right and in columbus and uh i'd been doing these variety shows where we would fly people into town and they would do 30 minutes each you know two two different people would do 30 minutes each and then me and brad would do like 10 or 15 in between them It was <laughs> fucking amazing because it was just like there were bands, there were all this stuff, and we got all the credit for it, but we really only did about fifteen minutes of material. Nice. So that's <laughs> then, good. Uh, but but uh, I decided for this month because we weren't able to get a lot of tours booked through the winter or just one-off shows booked through the winter that we're just going to do a fucking hour. And I think the last time we did an hour was last February. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to do that much time. No one cares, especially like in a comedy album. You get 30 minutes, you're good. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I think I'm going to do an hour, though. I want to do an hour. I I, I want to know that I can do an hour still. You know, I used to be able to fucking do an hour. I was, that was you like can do the, an hour. We did an hour in Seattle. We did, what? we did an hour in Seattle. We did 30 of POD cast and 30 of Street Fight. That doesn't count. That, that doesn't count. count. That counts. Because that's like two fun things. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, okay. So it's it has like, to be oh, an doing unfun this. hour. If the crowd I'm doesn't doing this, hate well, this, well, no, doing the POD cast was fun and novel, and I also had time in between. I'm doing just a fucking hour straight right, at right. this next one, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, so I'm excited for you. It might suck though, but please come to it if you're around. Here. There you go. Um, yeah, I think for me, for the tweet defense, I would probably. I, I mean, my numbers across the board have been lower than yours, so people don't need to freak out. But I would say maybe like uh, three. I, I would say it's Ooh. like a that's just. Ooh. But my numbers are lower, Brian. It's a different scale, so it's not oh. it's not as bad. Like I just think again, it's kind of like what I talked about with System of a Down. It'd, it'd be like you know, people would be like, oh, you know, do you? I hate this record, and I'd be like, nah, there's some pretty good songs on it, and they'd be like, I don't know, man. I'd be like, ah, Wait and Bleed is pretty fucking good. And then we'd argue about wait and bleed for like one or two more tweets, and then it'd be over. It's a that's an F, dude. Do you? That's not I an mean, F just, though. It's not out of anything. <laughs> here's what I feel though. This here's album is not an F did. for me. I just want to make that clear. This is not an F album for me. For me though, it feels like you're saying the only good song is wait and bleed. No, and I it- agree with you the whole time. <laughs> I actually said I liked more songs than you did. I like the first six, and then I three. like three. You three tweets. That's a different, mm. it's a different scale. It's a scale, man. though. It is yeah, a we scale. We know what three means. Yes, exactly. I know did what three means. It? I did. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I'm all, I'm doing a tweet defense right now to you. Yeah. And I've already made yeah. it, I've already made it to seven. So there you go. You're doing a tweet defense <laughs> to me, but your defense is of why you hate this album. And the only good song you think is Wait and Bleed, it's where not- with me, I like six of the songs. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But people love me. Hey, because people, I'm people, a positive. People have man. listened to the 90 minutes of this show that have come before this argument and they know where I stand. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. 
you like wait and bleed and you think they're scary and uh you will never see them in concert that's, that's sick that's true that's you all hated that's them all a true. three dude <laughs> I didn't, three I didn't is? Yeah, I know. Yo, well, that number is low. Let me tell you. That's <laughs> probably lower than System of a Down, which you also hated. No, System of a Down, I think I gave two, didn't I? Ooh, I'm pretty sure. Man, you are ruthless. I'm just a harsh marker. I'm a teacher, man. Yeah, you're ruthless, <laughs> man. I don't know. <laughs> if you, you given anything over like a five? Oh, yeah. I gave Corn okay. and Limp Biscuit like tens, dude. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like, well, my, well, then that just shows that this is a fucking F. A th- this you is gave not an F. No, to ten, and you gave this a three. <laughs> I think I gave that's I, an F. I think the highest I've given is actually like seven or eight. Mm. So okay. it's not that bad. Well, it's not that bad. Come on, seven or eight. You know, for the, I guess we'll eight. say fucking. We'll let you have eight. Yeah, you know, I think it's probably it. six. Let me have but, it. Like, yeah. Well, okay. So seven, uh, three is like little more little it's less than half of seven it's a f. d it's not an f. f it's not an f i gave it a b plus oh actually that's what i'm saying for everybody that gets mad about like when we give them bad reviews i i know i gave it a six <laughs> i like which this is album a d, enough. but i gave it a 10 i i actually gave it i, I gave it a d but a b plus type of d <laughs> John a b, gave it a b plus type of d <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like it was like a d it was like a yes technically right. you got enough questions wrong to get a d <laughs> but also you tried really hard and you were sincere about it that's how so. people describe my penis a b plus type of d <laughs> <laughs> all right well yeah, you hated got, the album i didn't I hate it's the time album for the challenge. well it, before we get to the challenge if you are enjoying the show please consider donating to the show at patreon.com slash the pod cast and that's cast with a k uh we are now doing uh one bonus review every month a bonus episode these bonus reviews are going to be compilations we're going to have guests on all of the bonus reviews uh we've already done one we did woodstock 99 with chris james good friend of ours uh, and it was a fantastic episode for those of you who maybe don't know brian was at woodstock 99 so we got some firsthand experiences from brian we talked about the album it was fantastic and i am super excited for this month's bonus episode i guess we can announce our guest now brian we're going to have uh, the lead singer of every time i die keith buckley is going to be joining us uh, to discuss the Ozfest 2001 album so every time i die has been on Ozfest multiple times they were not on the festival in 2001 but They've been on the festival multiple times, so we're going to hear from Keith a bunch of behind-the-scenes stories. They've also toured extensively with Slipknot, uh, so I'm sure he'll have some great Slipknot stories for us, and we're going to go over uh, the OzFest 2001 album with uh, with Every Time I Die lead singer Keith Buckley, so make sure you donate for, donate for that. It's only $4 a month. That gets you access to every bonus episode we do. We've got a few other bonus tiers on there. You can actually donate. Uh, if you're so generous and you donate $50 a month, uh, you can actually choose which album we review uh, for bonus content. So just uh, keep your eyes out. We're going to be doing a bunch of different stuff on there throughout the course of uh, the next few months. It's going to be a blast. That's patreon.com slash the POD cast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. And again, that's cast with a K. Uh, Tell your friends, uh, let us know. We're ready. uh, We're ready to make it happen. So now we will move on to the challenge. And Brian, I think it is apropos since we are talking about Slipknot that the challenge this month is to 
uh, design a mask. Now, normally I update fans on the results of the last challenge. We let them decide by poll, but Brian, you essentially conceded the last challenge on the, on the system of a down episode. So I am now up three to two in the challenges. Uh, but yeah, so we'll, Sick. we'll go through. So uh, on this Slipknot album, you have Corey Taylor, who, who has a ghost type of mask. You've got Mick Thompson, who's got a hockey player. You've got Jim Root, the jester. You've got Craig Jones, nail head. You've got Sid Wilson wearing a gas mask. You've got Sean Crahan, the clown. You've got Chris Fain with the gimp mask with the Pinocchio nose. You've got Paul Gray, who was known as pig face. He's wearing a pig mask. And you've got Joey Jordison wearing a kabuki mask. So, Brian, uh, it is your job now to, to come up with a mask of your own. What would it what would it be? First of all, I like nail face. He's my favorite. He mask. is also my favorite mask. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? Like and I also face? like that, like his only gimmick over like how they, they change their masks from album to album. And his only gimmick is that just the nails get longer. Yeah. <laughs> just like that's That's dope as shit. He's just like, oh, yeah, it's probably scarier the longer the nails are. Yeah. I, I got, yeah. A, I got um, a lot of respect for that. This is very hard for me to think of a mask because I'm an, a really uncreative person <laughs> and that's I not, would just that's not true Brian when I was a child when I was a teenager see this sucks because like when I was a teenager I really wanted a tattoo of a clown jester man with the face painted holding an axe behind his back so I can't be a clown and I can't be a jester because it already has both of those. And I'm a comedian. So that's the only thing I'm fucking good at in the world. <laughs> so I'm going to get, it would be almost like the gimp mask, you know, except for like the top part would be cut off. Cause I noticed that they've started cutting the tops parts of their masks off. Cause their heads probably get super hot. Oh my there. God. So hot. Like I can't even imagine Corey's first mask where it's like a full headed mask with the hair coming out and stuff. Oh my God. That must've yeah. been just disgusting. Yeah. That's a, that. That's the thing. So I would probably get the like top. It would be like sort of a gimp thing. I'm not not a gimp, really. Let's just say a black mask, right? Almost like a ski mask, but the nose is a dildo, and it's about how society is fucking you every day. <laughs> that would be my mask, dildo nose, <laughs> ski mask, dildo nose. I mean, I <laughs> it's a little bit of a clunky name. Uh, well, yo, so we yeah, so we've got about, clown. It's about society. We've got though. the clown. We got the jester. We got Pinocchio. We've got ski mask, dildo face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. It sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It does hey, sound it's cool. Ski mask dildo nose. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, dildo nose, not dildo face. He's coming, man. He's coming for you. And, yeah, and, I guess you could do that Rammstein bit where like cum would come out of the dildo and you could just like spray it at dudes. Yeah, it would like play a sneeze sound effect when it comes <laughs> out just because it's like if you had a dildo nose, you would sneeze cum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like wait and bleed is like just before the song starts. There's just like a big achoo. It's like da 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 achoo. I wipe it off on top. <laughs> and and also like when the cum comes out, it's not like a squirt like Rammstein did. It's just one big <laughs> blotch. It just shoots out and just is one. It's like bucket. It's just a bucket flies off the stage. That's my plan. <laughs> 
It's a great it's my plan. dildo nose, ski okay. mask dildo nose. All right. I, I don't know if I can compete with that. Uh, mine, I was thinking more like traditionally scary. I was kind of surprised that they don't really have, none of them ever really did like a doll face. So like my kind of thought was to do, to do like kind of almost like, um, like a female, like almost like a Barbie mask, but you would make it so that like, uh, so you'd have like your Barbie mask, but then obviously she'd be like all fucked up, like would have like weird, like goth eye makeup. And maybe she's like bleed, like blood's coming out of her mouth. Like she's like killed like a dead Barbie mask or something. Maybe the eyes are like all fucked up and she's got like maybe blood coming out of her eyes and her mouth. And it's just like a, yeah, it's just, I would be doll face, which is like kind of cool. Cause I feel like that's also a gangster, isn't it? Doll face. No, uh, no, 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 but it is cool. <laughs> it's a, it's a cool thing to say, but it doesn't feel gangster. Yeah, no, you're anything. right. I just, for some reason, it I felt that there was, it yeah, feels like yeah, horror for sure. I just thought that there was like uh for some reason I thought there was like uh, uh one of the gangsters is called Dollface. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, like one okay. of the classic gang, well, like John Dillinger hung out with Dollface. Oh, okay. You so know I was I mean? thinking about the, the bloods and the crypts. I yeah, guess maybe yeah, Dollface Sorry, sorry. I meant be... like old school, like, uh, this is Johnny Dollface O'Houlihan or whatever. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. I'm Dollface. I think you won with ski mask dildo nose, but we'll let the fans decide before next month. And speaking of next month, before we leave, uh, we do have to submit two albums for consideration for next month's episode. Uh, you won last month getting System of a Down's Toxicity on there. I want, well, I don't know if it's winning, but. I chose it is winning. I consider that winning. All right. I chose Slipknot. So Brian, you've got uh, give us your two choices, please. All right. Uh, Well, last month I failed tremendously, (laughs) so I'm not going to pick the same two bands because I want to pick them, but uh, I can't. So this month I'm going to put a ringer in there. Okay. And then I'm also going to put something in there that I I might pick one of my for last month. So this month, one of the albums I want to do is The Nothing by Corn. Oh, wow. You want to go back to Corn already? Yeah, we're going to go to a wow. new one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The 2019. And, uh, then okay. I, I think I still want to throw Orgy Candy Ass on Okay. There. I mean, that had a strong showing last month, so I'm not surprised you put that on there. Well, it's something I want to, I really want to do that album because I love it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's my, I think. I'm going to be honest. I think this is going to be a really close poll this month. I think this is going to be real close. Okay. So here are my two choices. I'm going with two new ones as well. Papa Roach got really close, but they just couldn't do it. They had three months and they couldn't do it, but don't worry. Thank if you, you, if you love, Thank you. if you love Papa Roach, I'm sure it'll be back on the list at some point, but it's on the shelf. It had three tries. It couldn't win. So here are my two choices. My first one speaks to my Canadian heritage. Also, this show thus far has been a lot of male content, a lot of masculinity on this show. I feel oh, like it's shit. important to switch it up. So I'm going to be nominating the 1999 classic from the band Kitty. The album Ooh. is Spit. Uh, that's my first choice. You and, got this. And my second choice, because now, Brian, we've done six of these. We've been doing it for half a year. We've done a bonus episode we're just, you know, we're in sync. I feel like every episode's been better than the last. I think it might be time to tackle our podcast's namesake. And I also think I will really want to review it because you fucking hate them. Uh, yeah. But I'm going to nominate POD Satellite. 
Okay. All right. I mean, this could go very well for me, or this could go very poorly for me. I, mean, I think, I think this is going to be tight. I think this is going to be really tight. These are four good choices. Yeah, I put a corn in there. Just I fucking. Know. I was. I was thinking about. I thought about it all week, right? And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to put a corn in there, but I'm not going to put an important corn in there. You yeah, know? We're, it's too early to do follow the leader right after we did corn. You know. Right. That's why I said the nothing because yeah. it's an album that Smart. I I really like and I really want to talk about. So <laughs> All right. Well, so those are our four choices. We've got Corn the Nothing, Orgy Candy Ass, Kitty Spit, and POD Satellite. We'll put the poll up uh, sometime in the uh at near the end of February, let you guys choose which album we review for the next podcast. And as I said, you can donate to the podcast at patreon.com slash the POD cast, uh, where four dollars a month gets you access to uh one bonus episode every month, and this month we're gonna have Every Time I Die is Keith Buckley on the show to discuss OzFest 2001. It's going to be a blast, so make sure you head on over to our Patreon and check that out. You can follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast with a K. I'm John Cullen. I'm here with my man, Brian Quinby. Thank you guys for listening to the show, and uh, we'll see you back here next month.